0: the podcast like topic I guess is the introduction of all this like what why are we doing this? what's the whole point behind it? Um, what's your name dude? So people who don't know we've been talking for like past two minutes and we haven't introduced ourselves. My name is Stacy. Um, I go by Stacy the kid. Um, I am a poet writer um, storyteller. Um, I like to say I'm a storyteller at play and I am probably.
1: More nervous about this than I'm, than I'm letting on. <laughs> that's, that's good. I like the vulnerability. Um, my name is Alex Obed. And um, some people say Obed. And some people say Obed. And I'll let you decide what you want. Um, but uh, I have been, I'm also a writer and a poet and a blogger. Um, my blog is alexobed.com, although I've thought about moving it to Solo Traveler. Um, so that's my next uh, adventure with my relationship stuff. But yeah, I, I write about relationships, and then I have a typewriter behind us, and and so I I like to type, and um, yeah, you'll get to know me better as as we, as this podcast. A lot of it has come down to oh, we're really interested in each other. We're really interested
0: in what the other person's thoughts are, what their projects are, what their you know passions are. And we're all tr- also interested in kind of sharing that message and communicating that with other people. Um, and we thought, hey, I, why not, you know, record some of these conversations because some of our conversations get really, really heady, as I like to call it. Um, and some of them are just, you know, just us shooting the shit and speculating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that speculation, I think um, I- I'm of the belief that the world – you know, if you are to believe that everybody is a reflection of you and we are all one being or some universal great consciousness or something like that, if you were to believe that, then, you know, you got to listen to the people that are around you because they're telling you things about yourself and they're your mirror, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that we kind of mirror each other in a lot of
1: similar ways, but we also differ in a lot of very strong. Um ways as well. You know, because this is a podcast and people can't see us, I think we we can add a little uh, embellish it with the sound. So let's <laughs> we got coffee, so we're gonna clink And mm-hmm. I really was just looking for the right person to do it with. And pretty soon after we had that first initial like boom conversation, just like sat down and started really getting in there, I was like, that's my man right there. and And what I love is that we're we're similar but different, and I think that's gonna really um, contribute. But I think, for me, um, so why we started it, um, what is this about? To me, and I'd love to hear your perspective, we're both like, we're both deep sea divers. We're, do- we're both depth explorers. Mm-hmm. We, we, we want to go to the depths of life. We don't want to just, you know, live a casual life where we get to the end. You know, we just kind of go through the motions of life. Like we want to like claw in there and see what is going on here. Absolutely, absolutely. Now,
0: um, we said that we we're gonna start all this off with like a quote, uh, a movie and like a song lyric, right? So it's I would a, love to hear hmm. your quote right, right. now. And, and I would love to hear the why and how it kind of sort of relates to everything that you kind
1: of- Yeah, and let me just like, give the the audience some um, context. Um, the reason we thought about doing that is, first of all, Stacey and I, we still are getting to know each other. and. One of the things I like about this uh, podcast idea is that in um, this particular question of quotes and movies and song titles, et cetera, song uh, lyrics, is we're go- you're going to get to know us in this capacity through sharing this, but we're going to get to know each other as well.
0: Absolutely. And, and
1: this is Stacey's idea. And I thought, what a brilliant idea. The original idea was share, like, we're going to introduce ourselves to each other and to you all. By sharing our favorite quote. So my favorite quote is one of mine, but this is probably the one I say the most. Before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen for what it intends to do with you. And that's Parker Palmer. Let's say it one more time. Before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen for what it intends to do with you. So Parker Palmer is an educator. He's written quite a few books, the courage to speak. Uh, I think it's, what's called courage to teach maybe. And then, um, let your life speak. And I think this one was from let your life speak. And, um, so for me, what that represents is I spent, I'm I'm 44, like we'll be 45 in a couple weeks. And, um, I know I don't sound like it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I know. 26, 28. Oh, thank you. Dear audience members listening. Thank you for that. Um, No, but I, I, um, for years have been someone with tremendous ambition. You know, my parents were restaurant owners are, I mean, they're still alive, but they don't, they don't run a restaurant anymore, but they both, both my parents are immigrants. Um, they were both very hard workers now, semi-retired, mostly retired. And the example that I had in front of me was to work until you die, essentially, or work and work and work and work and work and work and work like seven days a week. They worked seven days a week, particularly my dad, 16 hours a day kind of thing at the restaurant. And I'm, as a kid, I'm looking at this. I'm just like, I'm just like, this sounds crazy because, and i read this other quote, sorry, I'm going to do too. but by Thoreau, which relates, he says, why spend your best years like working to sort of save up for your worst years, your retirement? Like why use all those years just working just so you can have a good retirement? That, and to me, that like that sat with me. And, but to be more clear there, I watched my parents. Like I'm a watcher. I'm an observer. And I'm just like looking at people in the world. And I'm just like as a young kid, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This just doesn't make much sense to me. And so, but regardless, of course, I took in that ambition from my dad. My dad gave me how to, how to win friends and influence people when I was like, I don't know, in junior high. And I wouldn't read it. I was like, fuck you. I'm not reading this book because I was scared that it was going to influence me and program me in a way that I didn't want. I didn't want to just think about money and, you know, just going places and climbing the ladder. However, what I thought I ended up turning spirituality into an ambitious pursuit, <laughs> and so it's funny in life. And I'm sure in our podcast we'll talk about um, things like, um, what am I trying to say? It's like spiritual bypassing, but it's also when you when you basically are full of shit, <laughs> when you're full of your own shit, and it's easy to substitute one thing for another. And you can turn that ambition went from a worldly ambition to a spiritual ambition. So I'll just stop there for a sec. Okay, that's interesting.
0: Uh, I definitely want to hit hit back more on that one because I I think that's an interesting topic there. Um, My quote is actually a Heraclitus quote. Um, Uh, You mean Heraclitus? Heraclitus? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Man is most nearly himself when he achieves the seriousness of a child at play. Um, So... My, my I, I tell people this now. Uh, my, my dad's been preparing me for his death for a very long time without my realizing it. You know, he's been making sure that I had certain tools from a inward standpoint that I don't think most people think about. Um, most people think about their kids' financial stability, their education, you know, and those are all perfectly fine dandy. But My dad was very, very big on, hey, you need to be a thinker. You need to be able to think for yourself. You need to be able to make decisions for yourself. Your choices do one of two things in life. Either shrink your reality or open up your reality. You must have this, this tool, this ability to make these types of decisions. And there's a certain type of morbidness that comes with that. Um, And it kind of, there was this shift later on in my life where I realized, damn, I'm not like most kids around me. Um, I I think about some things that are probably adult, quote unquote, or dark or scary to some people. Serious? Serious, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because I thought about death a lot and death is terrifying for a lot of people. But in that sort of, pondering of all this, I came to a very interesting place with children. Hmm. And, and I grew up in a, a weird place in my church and in my congregation. Uh, I was like a middle child of a middle child because there was this large, vast group about four and five years older than me that I looked up to. But then there was this other group of kids that were like four or five years younger than me that I looked up that looked up to me, and then I didn't have people my age at a certain point in my congregation. So I was not old enough to hang out with the teens and the you know young adults, but I was too old to hang out with the little kids and the preteens and the teenagers. So having all this constantly rolling in my mind, I kind of got to sit and observe, like you said. Mm. I got to observe kids. And I realized after following uh, one of my dad's friends, uh, his name's Gail Nelson, our preacher at the church. Yo, like he loves what he does. Like really, really loves what he does. Like I've never seen a man get so giddy, even though he's exhausted Mm. to go meet somebody because that's what he did. Like his job was networking. His job was going in, shaking people's hands, talking to them, planning business deals. And seeing that, having all this in the back of my mind and then sort of being in this weird quasi mentor role for younger kids at my church, um, I came to this sort of, that's what it's like. You never really grow out of any of this.
1: (laughs) You're always kind of coming back to that. Well, it seems like, too, like, you know, how life, you know, like me, my parents worked hard. And so I ended up going to the opposite extreme. Mm -hmm. You grew up really serious and now play is a really big part of your life. And I find Mm -hmm. that life is interesting that way that, you know, probably for you all listening, too, that you have a significant childhood experience that causes you to take on a certain way of living you know, early on. And then maybe that stays with you throughout your life. There's one that I like, Um, I I forget
0: where I saw this or where I read it, but it goes something like this. Life does one of two things. It either softens you or it hardens you. It's going to break you one way or the other. Hmm. But what happens when you break is usually, like you said, it's the opposite of whatever you kind of experience. Right. You know, so if you are a person who is very closed off and cold as a as a younger person, you know. At some point, life is going to break you, quote unquote, break you out of your shell to make you more warm and open because that's what you need to balance yourself out, quote unquote. And then you have the other side of it. Whereas if you're too flexible, too you know lax and too you know go with mm-hmm. the flow, life is trying to push you into a direction of having some boundaries and being a little bit more rigid and fixed. Um, Really interesting how how there's always this sort of dichotomous back and forth sort of um, aspect of, of the world, and that's the thing that I really enjoy. Like mm-hmm. I enjoy being able to dive into the different shades of gray and being go and then coming back and going, huh, that's not exactly what I thought it was. Um, there's another thing that I've been recently saying is addiction and commitment look exactly the same, and when I, It took a while for me to kind of reconcile that for myself. And it might take some while, a while for some people to reconcile this. And they might, I might have just lost some people. But just bear with me for a second. Addiction and commitment are exactly the same thing. Reason being, a committed person will do anything to make sure that that commitment is fulfilled. An addicted person will do anything in their power to get the drug. Now, if you flip it on its head and you say, well... A person is just simply committed and you substitute the same words for anything. This person is, we use the word obsessed or junkie, fitness junkie for a lot of our uh, bodybuilders and uh, sports athletes. You know, they're a junkie. They're a fitness junkie. A junkie is also an addict, you know, like obsessiveness, dedication, commitment. They're all synonymous with doing anything necessary and sacrificing what is necessary to get what you want very interesting concept Hmm. but two different ways of which we look at them based on the word itself Hmm. or based on how we use the word you know in negative ways or in positive ways and that's the thing I like to dive into so I think that is probably like the biggest part of this podcast for me personally Hmm. is diving into these sort of like heady weird things that we sort of take for granted and go well this is this and this is good. Well, that is also
1: this and it can be used just as well for evil or bad. Totally. Totally. I love, I love that um, idea of, I mean, it's funny. I was just reading Plato last night. Um, I'm going through, I think I'm reading symposium and um, I'm only reading Plato because I just read Kierkegaard. who's a Danish philosopher and Kierkegaard referenced Plato and I'm reading Kirk. I read Kierkegaard because I read Unamuno and Unamuno, a Spanish philosopher referenced, um, referenced Kierkegaard. So I'm kind of going back in time. And like each person I read keeps taking me back, 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 back. And like, it doesn't go too much further than Plato. I mean, you mentioned, um, Heraclitus, um, who is a pre-Socratic. So that's even going back pre-Socrates, pre-Socratic Greek wisdom. Um, But yeah, going back to the idea that like of duality and uh, which pretty much controls the world um, versus another idea, which is, you know, sometimes we can't really tell. We can't tell whether something's good or bad, um, you know, yet. So Mm -hmm. I, I find like we're already we're already starting to touch on some to touch on some subjects that are like each one's like a fucking rabbit hole. Like each one is like not just a podcast episode, but like. That's why I said, like, I mean, I, when I think of, when I thought about us, I'm like thinking a little bit like Joe Rogan, like, it's not like a, some people maybe do like an hour long. No, for me, it's like, we're taking a journey. And what I love is like, I don't know if any of you listening, have done this before, or if you've done this Stacy, but like one of those YouTube adventures Oh yeah. where you just start with a video, but then you like back in the day, it used to automatically maybe more give you other videos, but like you start. And then you end up somewhere totally different, but it's so interesting. And I, I, I remember about five, six, seven years ago, I would spend this all day just taking this journey from one subject to another, and it'd be so funny and interesting to see where it took me. And I kind of see like our podcast like that. Like we're gonna start maybe somewhere, um, but but we it may take us in a totally different place. But I but based on my experience with you and I think your experience with me it's gonna be an interesting adventure I, yeah, know, absolutely.
0: I absolutely think so man I think that um, one of the things that like just one of the, one of the things that was kind of funny while I was driving over here was I immediately was like man I, I really didn't think about a song lyric and it dawned on me I don't really have a song lyric I have a discography. <laughs> like I have an entire one artist so that funny. is just... Prince. No, actually. I'm, that's just... It's just my, my one artist is Kid Cudi. My one artist from the time I was in middle school through up until now no has been... Kelly Clarkson? So Kid Cudi yeah, is, no. for people who don't know who might be listening, he's a um, Chicago-born rapper. Um, but he's interesting in that for me the reason why i say i have his discography as my as my song lyric is if you listen to him and you're a african-american kid growing up in a place where there's a lot of people that don't look like you Mm. so from my middle school years onward i went to predominantly hispanic or predominantly white schools i didn't go to all black schools when i was in elementary school i did now that sort of has a shift in in a, a and had a very um, had an interesting effect on me as a kid. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I, I found was that I connected to Kid Cuddy in the fact that he rapped about things that were not necessarily um, cool. then. Mm-hmm. you know, he rapped about um, depression and taking his own life and having nightmares and fantasy worlds and daydreams that he had. Um, And he also was one of the very first, like, one of the very first, like, rappers, in my opinion, or not even in my opinion, but in my life that I saw that broke away from the hip-hop mold of drugs, money, sex, Mm -hmm. girls, like... He broke away from that. Yes, there was still drugs, money, sex, girls. But his his majority of his albums were very much the effects of that. Like, yeah, this is what my life has been based on the fact that I've fucked around and had some really horrible, like, binges. Yeah, You know, here's what my life has been having grown up as, you know, the weird black kid that nobody talks to, you know. So having that sort of soundtrack in the background of my life, I definitely have have been ever so grateful to, to that you know artist. Um, so I don't have a, a song lyric, but I do have a discovery. No, I, I'm <laughs> the same way. I'm the same way for the movies because uh, I couldn't I couldn't think of that one. was another yeah. thing. I I, yeah. I I have like one movie quote because yeah. I'm not a real big movie buff. I yeah. was reading my wife were talking about that. I was like, damn! I realized I don't I didn't watch a lot of movies growing yeah. up. And I still don't watch a lot of movies, but I listen to a shit ton of music.
1: That's <laughs> interesting. And I'm the opposite. I, I, I do like music a lot, but I, I list. I watched. I watched more movies, and movies were a big part of my life. But my song title that I came up with, and I could also do, it's, I guess, a discography if that's how you say it. But um, it's Bob Dylan, and I love Bob Dylan so much. To me, as a writer, poet, like this guy par excellence. But it's um. <clears throat> And in in classic, Dylan, I will try to do the voice. And if my thought dreams could be seen, they'd probably put my head in a guillotine. But it's all right, ma. It's life and life only. Um, But just that idea of if people could see our thoughts, like my thoughts, Mm -hmm. you know, they'd want to execute me. You know, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) execute Um, because, and what that means to me is like, it helps because we have such private lives and we we have a persona, a public persona, and we have our private persona. And a lot of us have like monsters, devils, kinds of, you know, we, we might have a very civilized exterior, but our interiors are pretty wild and dangerous and scary and dark know and and that's when like i'm i come from a psychology background i did my um master's in psychology my my undergrad in psychology and i just probably have read 10 times more about psychology out of school than i did in school um i've kept reading and um but i'm very fascinated by like shadow work like our shadow side the part of ourselves that is unowned Mm -hmm. and that's to me one of the most fascinating things. But anyways, if our thought if our, if my thought dreams could be seen, they probably put my head in a guillotine. Or a guillotine um, is is maybe my favorite song lyric. And the movie stuff I picked was kind of was Star Wars that had a huge impact on me when I was a kid. Like I would have literally given like my left pinky toe to have a lightsaber. And the here's the funny thing, I still might. <laughs> I still might. I really might to have like a real lightsaber. If it came with like some Jedi lessons, I I probably would still give up a left pinky too. <laughs> yeah. But oh, the part that got me, and this is the shadow work again. So it revol it, it relates to the quote from the song lyric by Dylan. It's when Luke was in Empire Strikes Back getting Jedi training. And he and Yoda's like, hey, buddy. there's a there's a cave underground here you got to go there you got to go there and luke's like "Well, what's in there and and yoda says something like only what you take with you and then luke starts to grab and holster his weapon his gun and yoda's like no your weapon you won't need it there and luke did not listen to yoda luke went there down there anyways with his weapon which I think is so fascinating from a psychological perspective because, you know, to unpack that a little bit, you know, Luke was going down there to confront himself and his own fear. And how ironic it is to take a weapon when you're just facing yourself. And so this is total shadow work. And for the listener, the audience, hopefully, Hey everybody. (laughs) Um, we, uh, you know, we're going to talk, I, I'm going to talk a lot about shadow work in this podcast and sh- your shadow side. Um, but no, sp- no spoiler. Cause if you haven't watched this scene then you know, it's too late for you anyways in life, I, I'm giving up on you. But in that episode of star Wars empire strikes back, Luke ends up seeing Darth Vader, but when he goes to kill Darth Vader, Darth Vader turns into himself, like the mask comes off and Luke's own face is there behind the mask of Darth Vader. You know, he was just confronting himself, Mm -hmm. you know, and in some ways he didn't know it at the time, but Darth Vader was his father. And so, and what's interesting about the father role is meaning that any part of Luke that he hated about his father because he hated Darth Vader was also in himself. And what shadow work is all about is the real work of life, I think on that level, is to learn to love all of ourselves, and the parts of ourselves that are that we call dark, or the parts of ourselves that we want to hide from the world, will end up consuming us if we don't actually face them. So I'll just give you an example from my life. This is like an embarrassing moment, so people should like this. I mean, I've got I've got many embarrassing moments. Um, one of which is I was in grad school for like for my first grad degree, and I was in college administration. And I'm sitting there in this room of people, and it's our last class before graduating. And there's this really smart woman in our class, but she was really quiet. She hardly ever shared and said anything. And I just, I just literally just couldn't hold back. And I'm just like, why in front of everybody? I'm like, why aren't you sharing more? Like, you know, I I don't remember exactly my words, but that was it. The brunt of it, but she was so pissed or embarrassed or both. She got up and left class. And I got a pretty big talking to from my professor in class. And um, why do I bring that up, stacy <laughs> That's the question here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I brought it up because what happened after that fact was I learned because of that experience that I couldn't trust myself to express myself what I really felt. Because when I express what i really feel people run away and get really mad at me and so for years after that cuz i was i was about 22 then it was about half a lifetime ago for me for years after that i was really cautious about sharing who i was with people sharing my real emotions and my what i really wanted to say and what what friend that's part of you that you're scared of you'll end up working it. It'll work itself out and it'll end up becoming a positive thing, but there's no way getting around it. You've got to go through that part of you that's scared to express whatever it is. You are scared to express. Okay. So shadow work. So that's my Luke Skywalker, uh, star Wars, which had like, as a kid, I mean, I, I remember, and Stacy's like, you know, I don't know how much younger, a <laughs> couple, couple, couple centuries younger now, a couple decades younger. Um, But I remember going to see Star Wars in the movie theater. And I'll tell you this, Stacey, because I know we've talked about this. It was like, for you probably, watching The Matrix Mm -hmm. for the first time. I didn't know, probably like you, neither of those two films, I had no idea what I was walking into. I walked in for Star Wars Empire Strikes Back in 1979. I was five. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And my life basically changed Ooh, yeah, this like reality of this hero's journey, which Joseph Campbell would talk about, you know, was just magical. So, and, and like, and, and I had the same reaction to the matrix. I was there with my girlfriend and I want to hear your reaction, but and my girlfriend, we, we left the matrix and my girlfriend's like, I was like, I mean, I was in awe, but I was like, well, what'd you think? She's like, it was all right. And I'm just like, I've got to break up with you. <laughs> <laughs> Because this is like the most profound shit I've seen right, yeah. forever. So picking a movie quote, that's actually,
0: well, there's, a, there's a scene in, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember it exactly, but there's this uh, scene where, you go to the Frenchman and um, I think it's ah, uh, number two, yeah, Reloaded, Matrix Reloaded, they go to the Frenchman. Yep. Now, a lot of people hate it, you know, two and three. If you didn't watch everything, you don't get to say that to me. Oh. That's the way I feel. You need to watch absolutely everything. It's one of those things like finish it first. Just just finish it first. I know you hate it, but finish it agreed. first. And then you'll get it. You'll understand. But into they go to the Frenchman and he's basically telling them like, "Hey, like why are you even here?" like do you know why I'm so powerful? Do you, do you understand why I'm the person I am? Because there's cause and effect. All you guys are worried about is the cause and the effect. You don't care about the why. Mm. If you know the why, then you have the power. If you know the why, then you can change things. But you're never going to be able to change anything because you don't know why. Mm. So it's in that moment, in that enti- like that entire scene... Tells you exactly what's going to happen at the end, hmm. without you realizing it. Hmm. It it tells you everything. Like, yo, this is all a ploy. This is all you guys don't get the system, and because you don't get the system, you're forever going to be at, be uh. trapped in it. So, hmm. good fucking luck. <laughs> like, wow. whether you beat me or not doesn't matter. That's like, in it's a hint being dropped to the audience that no one ever picks up. But it's so, so profound. And I remember when I, and my dad. Can
1: you do it in French, in your French accent?
0: I I wish I could. You don't have the
1: (laughs) why. You need the why.
0: But um, my dad had the screenplay, right? So I actually read that. I didn't just watch it in in theaters. I actually read that. Yeah. So having watched it, gone back, read it, go back, watch the film again. I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it, and I think that was like the kickstarting moment of like a bunch of my curiosity, mm. a bunch of my um, okay. I need to figure out why. You need to ask the questions. I need no. You can't just you can't just tell me why. You can't just tell me this is a thing.
1: Why is this thing? I, I need to know why. Why? Yeah. Why? I, no, and that was. That quote, <laughs> and, and maybe that's what like we talked about to get bring it back to the beginning, like why we're doing this podcast. Why we're doing this podcast is because we're so we're both so damn interested in the question why, mm-hmm. like about everything important, like why, like why, and what's going on here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. The other side of it was, um, and it's interesting. We're gonna I'm gonna segue and <gasps> hit back on something that that okay. you mentioned earlier about spirituality. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting because we talk. You and I have talked about um, the book "Magician Warrior" or "King Warrior, Magician Lover," mm-hmm. um, and it's one of those books that I've said, yeah, every man, every you know, young man needs to read this because this is a powerful you know mm-hmm. book that'll let you know a little bit about how to sort of tailor yourself for the world a little bit better. But one of the things that we we touched on was. Um, in this book, the magician is the heady one, right? He's the, the, the seeker of, of esoteric or lost knowledge, whereas the warrior is the physical one, the one who's, you know, as we envision warriors, you know, people like the UFC, bodybuilders, fitness athletes, um, athletes of all kind, you know, those are, are the visions of warriors. When we think magicians, we think of our scientists, we think of our engineers, our architects, the people who... Build these great wonders of technology and, and, um, and medical, you know, advancements, etc. And it for me, my spiritual journey started in the physical realm. You know, I have talked to you about this before. Where when it comes down to coming to this understanding of oneness, it started with judo. <laughs> It started with getting flipped over and learning how to fall and learning how to control my body first yeah. and learning how to control my emotions through my body and learning how to direct all that you know frustration and anger and sadness and whatever other negative emotion into something that was a productive outlet. That's where all of that started and it more from you know fight sports to um, bodybuilding and, and just learning how to control my body and my muscles more efficiently, to um, learning how to be more flexible and more more limber in yoga and gymnastics and um, calisthenics. And then all that morphed into, after watching um, this dude named Elliot Hulse on YouTube, shout out to Elliot, love this guy, absolutely phenomenal for also any young man who's going to be trying to build himself up in terms of bodybuilding or strength training or anything like that. Uh, one of the things that he he says a lot of is you know the body is the mind, and it didn't dawn on me um, until I had watched that until we're sitting there, I'm sitting there and you know he has a graph of the nervous system he's like your brain doesn't stop at your your spinal you know base of the spinal column like I don't know why everybody thinks that, but your brain is literally everything. You can't do anything without your brain first. So if you're thinking only about, you know, being this great athlete or bodybuilder or what have you, then why does it matter if your brain is weak? You know, if you don't have the the ability to to think for yourself. And all of that was where it was like balance is necessary. I need to be not just a strong individual, but I need to be uh, a, a a thoughtful individual. Okay, so all of that—what does that look like? What does that 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 feel like? How do I, I uh, achieve these things? Growing up in the church, you would think that spirituality would be, you know, a mm-hmm. a given, <laughs> right? And and I think that's something that's really interesting as well because. Um, I, and Correct me if I'm wrong. You you grew up in a in a in a fully Jewish traditional household, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. So you would think that you know the the uh, the answer of God would be sufficient enough for for all these questions of why that we have, right? Um, and it wasn't until a few other things that I came to realization of like, okay, maybe it isn't. Maybe it is, but maybe it isn't, you know? And now it's time for me to wrestle with those a little bit more deeply. And it all started from learning how to meditate and control my body first. Mm. So interesting progression, and it's yeah. funny for me when you, you talk about going in school and how the headiness in, in the intellectual um, expression and communication was sort of your segue into, um spiritual growth and and spiritual
1: ambition. Well, actually, um, I'm glad that I remember this to bring it up because we both one thing we both have in common is um, I actually experienced some trauma when I was a kid. And I feel like it really shaped my life. And, uh, you know, you talked about your father and mortality and things like that. And like how that, you know, created some of who you are today because of that experience. And also, how you went from serious to play, as you know, we often do, we, we move from one to another. So, I was in a very bad car accident um, when I was a kid. A drunk driver basically was going head on um, for our car on the highway late at night. My dad was driving, my brother was in the car, my mom. And, um, end of the story is we, we get in a car accident, not with a drunk driver, but after he passed us, we, we, we had it like, my dad had to like swerve off the road and then we swerved and we spun out because it was wet. And we ended up back in the road and a camper trailer hit us, turned our car into like a tuna can, you know, and I was the only one with real injuries and didn't know it at the time until the next morning when I got out of bed and literally just fell and screamed in pain was I tore my ligament, my cartilage in my knee. And I was only like again, probably like six, seven years old. And I was like, why mom, why is God doing this to me? Like, you know, and like, I don't know that I believed, I mean, I guess I did believe in God then, but like, then though it became almost like this really deep thing. Like it separated me. Like every other one of my friends is just going through the normal, you know, very lackadaisical, but I had this like very serious, like, Um, event that caused me to go really deep within myself. Like I remember I was changed from that experience. I wasn't, I was no longer so happy go lucky. I mean, there's a lot of like um, rehab that took place. It was like a year long process to get back. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't play sports for a while, um, which I was really active in sports, loved soccer. And, um, Hmm. but the, the, the trauma caused me to look within, to look deeper, to ask about God, to ask, why is this happening? Um, And it just caused me to look at life in a deeper, more serious sense. So I think it's just fascinating that we both share something that happened early in life that was what some people would call difficult or trauma or something like that. And sometimes those things, especially as children, cause you to have a serious, more serious outlook or at least to ask really serious questions Mm -hmm. about life. Absolutely, some serious questions. But, you know, I think those
0: serious questions have, I know personally for me, have led me to some very fulfilling um, moments as well as some extremely fulfilling um, experiences. Because as morbid as we just got, right? Like, in no way, shape, or form would I say that my life is anyway um, has been bad, has been an experience of, that I would hate myself. Like we've all, I, I believe that it takes a bit of strength and a bit of vulnerability to, to admit some of the things that we admit. However, I also believe that um, it is something that is extremely, extremely human. Um, and in that extreme humanity, I think is where um, we, we wanna touch
1: on the most. Well, you know, if I could add that, um, and this is something that you said earlier, which I think really fits, We both experienced a bit of mortality at an early age. And what a lot of philosophers say, and I think a lot of whatever people that are deep thinkers say is confronting your own mortality is one of those things that most of us run away from in the world. Mm -hmm. But some of us, we can't run away from it you and me had experiences where there was no running. Like, I mean, it was just it. I mean, I remember an out-of-body experience being on the operating table for my surgery, and I literally floated above the um, table and looked down at myself at the very beginning of the surgery. But right before then, I said the Shema, which is a Jewish prayer, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, you know, hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. But the thing is, you're supposed to say that when you think you're going to die. And mm-hmm. I was so scared, you know. They put the literally. I'm on the operating table. The doctor. This is back in the 80s. They're, they're, they, I was just in the hospital for uh, for another reason for uh, somebody that I know that had an accident that I was a part of. And um, they explain now everything to you, like the nurses. Even if you're not conscious, they 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 will say what they're doing. Back then, they didn't. The doctor took the gas mask, you know, which is to put you under the mm-hmm. anesthesiologist or the surgeon, whatever. And I literally grabbed the wrist of the doctor as he's trying to put this, because I'm like, he's trying to choke me out. <laughs> and I'm a little kid. And that, that's when the doctor, surgeon, anesthesiologist explained, no, no, we're just putting you to sleep. This is how we're gonna do it. And then right after that, I had my antibody experience. But I think to go back to the, you know, at that point, is that both of us have experienced a deep, a deep experience with facing our mortality or the mortality of our parent or loved one, which is really the still to face mortality in general. And I think that it's like something that pushes you push against. Now you've got, you've got something to push against when you do that. And it kind of, you know, defines your life. Like, you know, because there are two sides of the same coin, you know, if you, if you don't people that haven't really encountered death or mortality, it, it, it's kind of like, I think the, um, you can only experience life to the extent that you can experience death. If mm. you, if you aren't willing to experience mortality and really look there and go deep into it, you're really not going to be able to live in a full, full, full way. Cause you think about it, somebody that, um, somebody that's able to confront that face their own mortality, they're able to live more as well because life is a risk, you know? And so like, you know, I'm sure you, I I can, I don't know you very well, but I have a feeling that you've done some shit, like maybe on a motorcycle or something Uh. (laughs) where you like challenged and, and, and hit boundaries. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That's what this, that's we're talking about. Right. But you, those are the experiences I'm sure where you feel really alive, but the things that you feel really alive at are also close to death often. Mm -hmm. Like one little thing, you know, have you ever ridden a motorcycle? Or am I making that up? No, have not ridden a motorcycle. I see.
0: However, um, I am—I uh, was very, very advent um, when I was in the military. I was very, very advent, advent um, downhill border. So wait, I, wait, would, I don't know what you just said. So advent, I would—I would bomb um, downhill on a skateboard. So, uh, yeah, um, and in Alaska, they have really, really great mountains for this shit. So imagine going, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour downhill with no pads on, just Jesus. some gloves and, you know, a wooden plank. <laughs> right,
1: you're in that, right? And you're in that, like, and, and, and people listening, too, like, I'm sure, you know, if you've done anything like extremist, you know, there's that beautiful, like, lovely fear like where you're I, like I could terror, die right now. Yeah. yeah. It's like I, it's like I a know com- I can. it's like a combination of ecstasy and terror mm-hmm. at the same moment, yep. and it's like amazing, and it's like a drug, which is mm-hmm. why they you know people keep seeking that. Like I look oh. at all these Red Bull YouTubes now, and I'm just like these guys getting helicoptered up to the mountaintop and then going down this like virgin mountain that's probably never been. You it's know, like, are you insane? Avalanche possibilities, and but you, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, this big like. There's actually a hole there and it's just mm-hmm. covered by some snow, but you're about to go down like a cavern of hundreds of feet yep. to death, yep. you know, but it's, it's part of that. That's it's, what, le- that's what adds to the experience. You it's know? like you said, you have something to push
0: against. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember this so vividly, man. Like I will remember going down this one hill or not hill, this one mountain when I was in Alaska and it's not my board, it's my buddies. never written it. I'm starting to get the wobbles. Now for anybody who doesn't know what the wobbles are, oh, yeah. the wobbles are when your ankles, because you're stiff, this is literally what it is, because you're too stiff, oh. your ankles start locking up. So that gets translated to the board, which causes the board to rock because you're vibrating and you don't have anything softened Soft enough in your ankles and in your knees to keep that from happening. Wow. So, pro tip if you're ever going downhill on any type of, you know, wooden plank or board, loose hips, loose knees, loose ankles, you'll survive. I promise. Wow. <laughs> now, back to the story. I decided to kind of go off to the side, catch some of the dirt, slow down. We've done it before. This time, for whatever reason, it's not happening. Like I try to come back into the road and the board catches and for visual, this is probably like a 30, 40 foot grade. So this is a pretty steep freaking hill. And this isn't just, you know, like any old, like off to my left, I can see cliff edge and beautiful landscape and valley beneath me, Mm -hmm. you know? I go off the board. I may be two feet away from the railing. So I definitely get the whole, you know, something to push against. There's this moment of, oh, man, this is great. But, oh, shit, I could die right now. I have no helmet on. I have no pads. The cliff, like if I just, you know, tumble the wrong way, I could be tumbling down another 30, 40 feet. Oh, but also (sighs) popping up and going,
1: Yeah. Yeah. And especially once you're done, like once you, <laughs> once you, once you finish and you're alive and oh, you yeah. it, it's oh, like yeah. you're on another fucking yeah, level. a whole another high. It's like so mm-hmm. beautiful. It reminds me of, have you seen the movie In Time with Justin Timberlake? Yes. That was a good fucking yes. movie, right? And it reminds me of it because those people are like, sort of like some of those people were trying to be immortal. Right, Because now the new currency is not money but time. Mm-hmm. And so this one guy was hoarding like a million years of time when people were dying because mm-hmm. they have like minutes left in their lives. Every single day they're kept on, on the poverty line of time. And I was reading yesterday's book, um, Homo Deus. It's by Harari. Mm-hmm. He's this Israeli dude. He wrote Sapiens. Huge bestseller right now. Um, and I didn't read the first one, but I read this one. And he says – that the future man, the future human being, our next thing we're going to try to do is become immortal. Mm-hmm. And he said there's already people like uh, Kurzweil that's um, trying to do this. Mm. And then like some other people, scientists. And he said that they're they're believing that we can live to 500 years old. Um, but here's the thing. Um, he, he said something else that was interesting to me, which is. He said, once you do that, then the biggest fear people will have, because he said we we can control all death from like your org, you know, we'll have 3D organs, we'll have this, this, and this. But he said, the one thing that we won't be able to control is you doing something stupid and dying, like skateboarding down a hill. So Mm. he said those people will be. Afraid, and this is this was in the movie in time. I don't know if you remember. There was a scene where Justin Timberlake's with the the, the the rich guy, millionaire in time, his daughter, and he's and he's like, "Hey, you live. We're on the beach. You live in the ocean. Let's go swimming at night." And the chick's like, "Are you fucking crazy?" Mm-hmm. Because nobody that's that wealthy in time and immortal would ever, ever, ever go because that's when something unnatural or natural, whatever, something can happen. They could bit by a shark they could drown and therefore they're that's the one sort of kryptonite to their immortality so therefore they never take chances therefore they never really live mm. and that's what that girl said in the movie she's like she's never really felt alive until she met Justin Timberlake's character who wasn't afraid of death because he came he was always living On his time watch, his his arm piece, and if you haven't watched the movie, watch it in time. He was always living within minutes of dying Mm. every night. He barely had enough time just to make it to the next day. So, you know, there was this one scene where he's playing poker with her father. And he literally bets everything, which isn't money, it's time, on a hand. And he almost literally time they call it timing out, which is dying. And everybody there is just like looking at him incredulously like, because nobody dies in this rich environment. They have so much time except and he wasn't scared because he was used to facing his mortality daily. Mm-hmm. Just such a beautiful thing. So it feels to me it just ties in so well to this conversation oh, about, yeah, about that living. That's
0: and that's what it's really about, I think, overall when what most of my questions usually come back to, you know, choices, making the right choice or, and this is another quote that I I really enjoy. There's no such thing as a right choice. There's a such thing as making your choices right. You know, like there's no such thing as a good or bad choice. Mm. There's only the choice that is right for you. Mm. So make that and, and act accordingly with that type of information um, and I think a lot of that has to do with you know what kind of legacy do you want to live on? What kind of um, if you had no more time left, if you had if you had you know five minutes, who would you call? You know, if you had five minutes to do the next great thing, what would it be? You know, mm-hmm. you're about to die. What is that? What is your next
1: play? You know, if you look at it, you know we're so spoiled in a sense because. We're in this first age, and you know, in the last few decades, where, you know, you're not going to die of like really like epidemics. You know, the, I was reading in Harari's book yesterday. He's like, mm-hmm. we're not that far removed from from the age where, you know, very it was very common to die before you became an adult, Mm -hmm. you know, in every family, some of the siblings wouldn't make it, which is I think one of the reasons they had bigger families because you could expect that a few siblings would die early on for whatever cause, right? Something like a common cold, uh, you know, flu or something, or the chicken pox or measles or all these things that we've eradicated, right. Through vaccinations, et cetera. And, um, I think because of that, to use one of your words, we've gotten soft, And although I feel like I mean it in a different way, but I mean like we're, we just take it for granted. We take life for granted. And that's why I think it strikes us so hard now when something unexpected happens and some people can't literally get over it. They can't get over somebody dying in their family unexpectedly. And I get it. Look, I'm not trying to judge. I'm just saying it's, it's so rare now, but it was so common before. Mm. And for me. I try and I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, but I try to live every day, not just that it's my last, but that everybody close to me, man, they may not be around tomorrow because I try to, I want to live in reality. And the reality is nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. And I do that also, I think, to cherish what is to cherish the moment because if everything is guaranteed, it's, it's kind of like you're living this false immortality life, you know? And, and one of the things about the immortals in, in time is that they didn't seem to really appreciate anything because they didn't have to, because they, they knew that, for example, a day there'll be another day and another day and another day and another day and another day. And, another day. and um, that's not a reality for almost all of us, if not all of us. And so, um, I like to. I think you and I share this. We don't like to live in illusion.
0: Nope.
1: We want to live in consonance with what's real, because that's where the action is.
0: Yep, and in in doing that, I think um, <clears throat> I think we'll. I'll, I'll try and segue in sort of. Begin to sort of wrap it up on this sort of note here. Um, The idea of going back to choices, going back to that idea of um, when it comes down to living life and living a full life, how do you do that? You know, I think that's what a lot of the questions are about, not just, you know, right choices for oneself, but sort of how does one live well, die well? Mm. How does one um, leave behind a legacy? How does one create a legacy? Um, And what are the tools necessary to do those things? Like, and not from a, from a, a, the standpoint of like a physical tool, but the things that are intangible that are necessary to have within oneself.
1: Mm.
0: Those are what a lot of the questions I, I come across and, can ask I've begun asking myself more and more of and those are sort of the things that I hit upon. You know, like, mm-hmm. I hit upon the ideas of um what is in my control. Mm-hmm. And usually it always comes back to, you know, self. Only thing I can control is my own reactions. I am mm-hmm. the only I am only master of my, my reality. You master know? of your domain? Yeah, I'm only yeah, I'm only the master of my own domain. So with that in mind, it's like, well, if I can only control what I can control and I can't control the rest of the world, then there needs to be some level of detachment. But there's also this high level of, I, I, one of the things um, someone said, I, I sounded pretty arrogant when I said this, but the quote of pity God, mm. you know? You begin to pity everyone around you who hasn't gotten to that point of realizing that the only thing they can control is themselves.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, and and maybe my last quote, which kind of goes along with that is a a paraphrase, but I think it was E.E. Cummings that said that the hardest thing in the world was to be yourself in a world that's trying day and night to make you like everyone else. And I think for me, you know, we're all born unique. There's nobody exactly like us with the same, you know, fingerprint and DNA exactly. I mean, even twins, you know, have different fingerprints and, uh, you know, they're different on some level still. And um, I think what I'd like to do in this podcast and what my life is about is living out that unique. To do that is to delve in, to dive in, to explore that space. And one of the things that's frustrating to me is that I don't think for all of us or most of us in Western culture, we're only given like a decade or so to figure it out before it's time to like, oh, now it's time to get a job and have a family and have kids. And and so like we only have from like age 18 to like 25 or so or 16 to 26 that we're given by our culture to really explore who am I and what is my unique offering to this world, who my unique expression and to really like get in there and like, Work with that and, and try to uncover and rev- get that revealed and, and get all the BS out of the way. Like, I find that our culture does not afford us very much opportunity to do that work. And that's my thing. That's my jam, as they say. Is to like, what is not just my unique expression, but how can I get that out? But how can I help other people to do the same? And the world that is, as E.E. E. Cummings says, pushing us day and night to be like everyone else. You know, not to really explore to just do, you know, what everybody else is doing. I mean, I think what the world needs is more individuals and more people that are in them in their own body and and then expressing that in the world. It's really
0: interesting that you that you touch on on that as we begin um sort of going down another rabbit hole there. No, um, the, the 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 idea of um, the individual. And individual uniqueness. I've I've been pushing back on that myself recently. Of hmm. uh, um,
1: you're a snowflake. You're yeah, a, yeah, yeah, exactly you're right. Just
0: a snowflake. You're just a snowflake.
1: You want to be the the bike guy, club. Guy, guy, bike you know? club. Yeah, you know, you're like no, you're
0: no individual. You're the all-encompassing the heap of shit. The, yep, yep. You know, like you're, you're no different from everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you you are your just as big of a scum of the earth as you are the king of the planet, like it doesn't matter. And, and, and there's a certain, and don't get me wrong. Apathy ain't sexy. Like I'm not saying don't care about anything. Like, it's not I'm, false humility. Yeah. There. It's not false humility either, but there's this, you know, understanding of ultimately mm. I know that in the grand great, you know, large scale, you know, machine and I'm just a small fucking cog and that's okay. However, that doesn't mean that I can't change my immediate. That doesn't mean I can't, you know, affect the people in my in my you know immediate
1: circle and better my life than that. So I gotta share this because you're gonna love it. There's a Jewish um, whatever teaching that says that everybody should carry two pieces of paper and one in each pocket. And in one pocket the piece of paper says the whole world was created just for you, mm-hmm. for you, Stacy, for me, Alex. The whole world was created just for us individually. And the other side, it says you are nothing but dust and ashes. And what I'm hearing from that is it's both. I mean, or we can mm-hmm. look at it that way. And it's a paradox. Like you're nothing and mm-hmm. yet you're everything at the same time. And how do you live? And to me... And this is what I'd love to explore further in this podcast as we keep going for, forward and, and doing more um, episodes is it's, it's about living the tension. Like human beings live the tension between like the duality between like heaven and earth. We're like the nexus sort of between Oof, the gods like that. and like whatever, the lower realms. And we but to live and to and to hold that tension is not an easy thing. No, it is not. You got to be like a master warrior to really live it. But it also takes courage because to live the tension means that, uh, you might experience a bunch of crap, a bunch of stuff that you don't like. It's easier to take either position. It's easier just to be, Oh, the whole world's created just for me. And I'm going to be a narcissist. It's easy to live that path in a sense. It's also easy to live the path of like, um, whatever we call the other path, whether it's nihilism or something, it's like nothing really matters and like blah, blah, blah. And we're just going to live that path. But it's hard to sort of be the nexus to, to live the tension between those two.
0: I agree with that 100%, man. It is very hard to do that. One of the things that um That... So... Going back to, to our Thursday, we went ahead and performed at Raw Storytelling. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Raw in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Enid um, with Witchcraft Brandon. We absolutely oh, yeah. love her. Um, if you don't know who she is. Um, also, so one of the things that I think is really interesting about this whole living intention and um, the nexus point is the psychedelic experience that I was talking about when we were at Raw Storytelling yeah. was very much that ascension thought process in my mind you know like there's a certain disconnect that if you are constantly in that space that no one will be able to see you like you will not be able to see the world as a reality you see the world as this interconnected being as this full organism that is always moving and is always in, in like you're just a part of the you know great mass of it all so it's like oh no why is the world so bad like you have this bird's eye view almost and there's some there's one of the things that i used to have a a gripe with christianity is i think some people can can relate to this if god is so benevolent if god is so good then what's with all the shit right like if, if we're to believe that the universe is this benevolent, ever engrossing being, then what's with all the shit? Now, if I am to believe that God simply forgot he was God and came down and died for my sins, that makes me seem a little, that to me seems a little off-putting because you're telling me you have this omniscient presence, this on, omniscient um, intelligence, and yet you still did this. Now, obviously, there's, you know, the whole point of because he loves you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But just from a logical standpoint, you know, as a person who's the way I am, I go, well, if I'm God and my creation did this to me, I would be pissed as hell. Like, no, like that's that's no. And his, high, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You know, quoting some Christianity quotes for some people out there who don't think who, who, who may think that, hey, you know, I'm just bashing the religion and I am not. Um, It's just thought processes that I've had over the years. And for me, when we talk about the tension, if you are constantly in a place of overseeing and I am God, I am this incarnation of of the great divine, you become disconnected from your immediate. If you are so caught up in in the immediacy of your world and just trying to live and trying to survive and trying to get what's yours in the material realm, then you lose sight of your own divinity and the fact that, Hey, all of this is connected. You're ben- what's happening to you right now may not be for your benefit. It may mm-hmm. be for someone else's, mm-hmm. you know, like there's two types of sort of narcissism that become, that begin to develop on either extreme. Like we talked about, um, a few nights ago and a few weeks ago uh, in terms of the left versus the right and how at the extremes of both of these poles, they're the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the left is intolerant. The right, right is intolerant. You know, the left is, is violent and, and angry. So is the right. Like these are the extremes of the poles And we know that we understand that. And being at either extreme isn't the way. We is it's sort of natural for us to understand that if there's anything in ex- excess, we we begin to to lose ourselves.
1: So that tension piece, man, living in tension. Mm-hmm. Well, just I have to say that the other thing in the Bible, it's not like there's only one that's screwy, <laughs> but like about God and like if God's this like all powerful, all knowing, how's that God created the first like humanity, but then was like oh shit. Everybody's evil in this, in this, and then we're going to create this flood and wipe everybody out. Mm-hmm. Like, but wait, didn't you create you this humanity? Like, and didn't you say this it. was good? I like, don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know, there's a, you know, we'll get in there. I'm sure another time, but like the whole <laughs> religious thing, like I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious anymore. I don't buy it. the the truth, you know, it's the truth, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, definitely, I definitely, I, I, I definitely, I studied in Israel for two and a half years and I find there's a lot of wisdom in that tradition, and as an exactly, all traditions, and I just try. Me and you are like equal opportunity eaters, like, yes. You know? And I, I issue, no, I issue no, religion in terms
0: of their teachings. I issue religions in terms of um, their practices more so. You yeah. know, like if you continually practice, you know, bigotry. If you continually practice. Um, if you preach to me love and, and, and charity and you practice nothing but um, thievery and, and slaughter, then how can, I, how can I, you know, take you for what you say you are? Mm. However, your preachings and your teachings, those do have wisdom in them. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I vilify the messenger, not the message
1: <laughs> for
0: the most part
1: vilify the messenger. Ger- not the message. message yeah.
0: I like it. Yeah. sounds like a good place to you know. Yeah, it's very. I, I think that that's a solid on, place on, to on villainy. Let's end yeah. on villainy. That's actually a good good place. And hmm, actually, that could be a, a good place for our, our next podcast to, oh. to
1: pick up on. Yeah, honestly, I thought you were going to say that could be a good name for our podcast. Something about villains. Villainy. I, you know what?
0: I, I I like that too.
1: I like that <laughs> too. Uh, hey. <laughs> it's always
0: fun to to mess mess with people. Stacey right? and I have been
1: talking about what this podcast yeah. name is, and at least from so, my standpoint, so, we were, I was stressing beforehand about what it's going to be. Like we have to have the name first, and I was like, then I was like, you know what? Why? Why can't we just kind of let it happen? Like we'll it'll like come to us as we as we speak. So I think one of the things we can
0: do is we'll, we'll end on two questions. So um, one. Mm-hmm.
1: Villainy, like what, what? What's some some ideas that come to your mind on with villainy? I mean, I think like the shadow work. Like mm-hmm. I think it's just like about embracing the shadow, like sort of saying it in jest, like the villain, like our our inner villain. You know, like it reminds me of like the mm-hmm. Joker, the Joker and Batman. Um, okay, the Dark Knight. Where some of your favorite villains and some of your worst villains. Oh, that could be a good homework assignment. Yeah. To talk about next time for the
0: next time. Yeah. Favorite villains. villains. Um, now. Or the other one? I guess we can toss out some of the names that we've been thinking about, and just get some feedback when when we decide to
1: release this. What was the other question? Was that it? Yeah, that was it. Uh, Those are the two there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to release this first. Yeah, but it's it could be a chicken or the egg thing. Like, are we going to release it before we have the name, or are we going to have a name and then release it? I mean, we'll 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 talk about that offline. But um, (laughs) we're getting. I think we're getting closer, and I think um, yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, for anybody that's like. Listening this early, this is like, oh, we should, we should. We didn't even say the date, I believe. Today is March 18th, 2019. Yeah. So, I'm curious if anybody's listening, like, really close to when we release it because that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, in my imagination, like, you know, because you know, this is going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, one of the things I think from Stacey and I's perspective is like, we're doing this first and foremost for ourselves because we just enjoy. The, the conversation we enjoy getting deeper and just kind of like, um, ping ponging back and forth and reflecting and, you know, and like getting pers- his perspective and my, and, um, him getting my perspective because it deepens our collective kind of like understanding, um, and, and, you know, embellishes our curiosity. And so it'll be interesting to take a journey with, with you all, whoever's listening and, um, to keep, um, yeah, to just keep doing that, keep diving deeper and deeper. And then eventually I would love to, you know, have a, a connection to our audience and, you know, maybe you all can throw out topics you're interested in us talking about, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think that will be fun. So as we decide to wrap it up for now, um, how do we want to end this? How do we want to sign off? I always want to say thank you. Like, I feel like this was like, very um just like our conversations you know i feel like there was a third person in the room you <laughs> over there yeah you right there yeah i, know like, I felt I like know there was, was like i felt like it's a little different dynamic because i'm like thinking okay it's just not just us two there's like a third element but i, I like it and um but yeah i just want to thank you and like i think i'm just saying i'm really excited and i think um this is gonna be a lot of fun i i, I am gonna be very like honest i think
0: there was like two cut points here but we'll figure that out later. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll be fun to, to mess around with this a little bit Absolutely. more. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. All right. Take care. Have a great one. All, All right, right. Later, guys.